Beloved Church, let us begin our service. Let us stand and confirm the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ be enthroned in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your name for this great privilege to be in this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. Allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted up to heights that are unreachable for us and to destroy all burden and sin that may bind us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may upon this place all works of the devil be cursed as before. Poverty, untimely death, demonic dependence, all sorts of fear, depression, destruction, error, and ignorance, all of this may depart from the tents of your holy people. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed into your salvation and rejoice before your face. Give us more of your spirit. Saturate us with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to find your great face. We thank you that the service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your godly hands, and we pray, lead it with your mighty arm, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The book of Matthew 5, 45 and 48. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. We note that this promised commandment is the inheritance of saints of all times, and the commandment is addressed by Christ strictly to his students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge the authority of a person that is sent by God over themselves have never had any part to the inheritance that is contained in this commandment, and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to. To be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect is to love the righteous as God loves them and to hate the unrighteous just as God hates them, pouring out, using our mouth, blessing upon the righteous and curses upon the unrighteous. As it relates to fulfilling this commanding order to be vigilant of the word of God within our heart, as God is vigilant over his spoken word within the temple of our body, we stopped to study the following question. What specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue abiding within our heart? And in part, we have been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant where we in the death of the Lord Jesus die through the law for the law so that in the new tablets of the covenant symbolizing the resurrection of Christ we can receive justification so that we can live for the one that died for us and resurrected so that in this way we can obtain confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant symbolizing the resurrection of Christ so that we can provide God with the proper foundation to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the past law but by the righteousness of faith like how he gave it to Abraham and his seed 
for this promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. Further, we have noted that the righteousness of faith, making us heirs of the peace of God, is determined by the humble obedience of our faith to the faith of God. The faith of God is the preached word of the messengers of God, the person who represents a father that is sent to us by God. Therefore, the promise of the peace of God is only given to those people that obey the order of God, which functions in the body of Christ, which contains a hierarchical structure of theocracy, where God sends us his word using the mouth of his delegated ones. The covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God, which is spoken by his delegated one word first it is specifically by the means of the righteousness of faith that the covenant of peace is in the format of the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be evidence within our heart that we are the children of god evidence for us that we are children of god if we don't have a similar type of testimony and we say we are the children of God, then we're deceiving ourselves because the fruit of righteousness grown in the Eden of our heart, which reveals itself in the covenant of peace, which is called to guard our hearts and our minds in Jesus Christ. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 6, 7. The fruit of righteousness produced by us within the atmosphere of the peace of God, which can keep our mind in Jesus Christ, is the glorious seal of God upon our foreheads serving as testimony of the fact that we are the holiness of God and the personal possession of God. And this seal of God reveals itself upon our foreheads with spiritual thinking or thinking of spiritual things, serving as an atmosphere of life and peace and as the mind of Christ within our spirit. At the same time, the carnal mind is the mark of the beast upon the forehead and right hand of people who think about things of the world who try to use gifts of the Holy Spirit, use anointing and blessing for the sake of their flesh, for the sake of their popularity, to show that we are spiritual, see how God works amongst us. And this is the unfortunate thing. To be carnally minded is death. That is the mark upon the forehead. To be carnally minded, the thoughts of a person in identify him and identify whether he has the mark of the beast or the mark of God to understand this factor the kind of thought thoughts you have is who you are your thoughts identify your essence who we belong to if we think about the things of heaven about spiritual things then this is the mark of God upon our foreheads if we are thinking about worldly things then these thoughts are the mark of the beast and did not some kind of chip that has been made up. I've talked about this when this chip did not yet exist. People didn't know what a chip was uh, that are within telephones and the car, uh, your credit card, and their wallet is filled with these chips. But they, for some reason, are afraid of a chip that is so-called going to be put into their body with some kind of vaccine or some kind of other medicine or consciously uh, I tell people that if the government could manipulate us by the by using a chip, they would never put it into a vaccine or specific 
uh, shot. They would put it in a Coca-Cola or any other juices, and you wouldn't even know about it. You would be drinking water, and this chip would have been put into your system if it was in a liquid form, as they say. But the thing is, people used to think that the mark of the beast was a regular passport, uh, the identification of your, of you. Uh, we had a person who lived with amongst us uh, uh, in, in Europe. Uh, he refused to have an identification. He refused to have a passport, and he he was convinced that he is rejecting or de- uh, refusing the mark of the beast. And today, people think that. Uh, chip, uh, the chip is the one that's the mark of the beast now. Your The mark of the beast is what your mind is. You are what you listen to, what you put into yourself, and what you eat. And we're talking about spiritual food. What you think about, what you listen to, this will identify your etern- eternal state. This will identify whether the mark of the beast on your forehead or the mark of devil or, or the mark of God. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 6 through 8. If a person can't please God, then he is guaranteed uh, damnation and not salvation. According to the given place of Scripture, we conclude that people who reject the condition to have their faith obey the faith of God do not have any relation to the peace of God and are not able to have it, and consequently such people cannot have any relation to the sons of peace, as the sons of peace by the means of the peace of God would inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven. We need to understand well that it is only by the collaboration of our spirit with our renewed mind that is in Jesus Christ that we can enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ that is fulfill our calling our calling is to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ we need to come into God's presence as intercessors to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ because the goal of God in creating the body of man when he created man is to live inside him But God lost his temple because of the disobedience of the first Adam and reobtained his temple in the second Adam that took on uh, the body, the flesh, who was born of Mary and we in him are able to inherit eternal life. That is the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ so that we would become the temple of the Holy Spirit and so that the Spirit of God would live there and God would eternally live there. Relevant to this, we stop to study the fourth question, by what signs do we examine ourselves that we are the sons of peace, identified as the sons of God, and also as His holiness, because it is only by the rule of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to examine ourselves that we are truly the sons of God, as it is written, blessed are the peacemakers, or happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, 9, and this is not the only place of Scripture. And so only people that have within their heart the peace of God, that nothing can uh, aff- affect it or change it, either a divorce or a, broke, uh, a house that was, a car that was hit, the loss of a house, no accusations or criticisms, no illness, and not even death, is able to uh, shake your peace. You will continue to stay in peace. Uh, and that is because you are with God and God is with you regardless of the circumstance.
We need to not forget that if a person in the death of the Lord Jesus has not died for his nation, the house of his father, and for his life in the flesh, then his justification that he received in salvation by faith in Jesus Christ in the format of a guarantee will never convert into the fruit of righteousness where he would receive the ability to be clothed into the promise of God's inheritance of peace so that he can produce within uh, righteousness the fruits of peace. Because he has not died for these three, the crown of righteousness then will be taken from him that was prepared for him. The crown uh, of righteousness is the fruit of righteousness grown from the seed. This is the seed that was t- has been turned to profit, where which we have then obtained as a possession, as a fruit. And so it all depends on us. It's not on, dependent on God. We will be guilty that our crown of righteousness will be taken from us and will be given to someone else. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Revelations 3.11 The fruit of righteousness within our heart in the format of the peace of God is evidence of the fact that we are sons of peace, which is a legitimate foundation for God to fulfill His part of the covenant of peace, which consists in leading us into the inheritance of His Son, so that we can share with His Son the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in the lost prophets and Psalms. And the inheritance inheritance of the Son of God is to live within the body of man. This is his inheritance. In a particular format, we already looked at six of the signs, the consistency of which allows us to judge and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace and furthermore the sons of God, and we stop to study the seventh sign. And this is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God. Selective is holy. Holy, it it always separates the clean from unclean, holy from unholy, evil from good, and so the love of God is selective. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14, 15. And so God's love can only rule within the atmosphere of peace. If we have this covenant of peace between us and and Him, then there the peace of God can be and it will rule in love. It will be in one body, in the body of Jesus Christ. And so in the church, which in Scripture is the good wife that has the... She is the virtuous, uh, virtuous wife and it says one that has found her has obtained God's favor. It's talking about such a church that is in the eyes of God this virtuous wife or this good wife the infrastructure which is the the theocracy of God the authority of God's love where there is no place for the uh, rot of the democratic system which has literally rotted through uh, the within the churches people instead of uh, listening to God's people, they choose for themselves a confession and then a brotherly council, uh, and and the brotherly council will then dictate to the 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 uh, person that they have chosen uh, for themselves. We've noted that the rule of the peace of God within our hearts is only possible upon the condition if the known by us holy or selective love of God will abide within our heart and we will be clothed into its burning zeal. 
it has within itself the law of holiness, the law of death. It's burning, it's as burning zeal, and so it's as strong as death. This burning zeal of God it is the love of God because it is holy, it separates, it is a positive form of death that separates a person for God. It separates a person from the midst in which he is in the midst where God is. Comprehending the holy and selective love of God is called to fill us with all the fullness of the peace of God or make us perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect so that we can obtain the ability, like God, to be vigilant over His word that we have concealed within our heart so that we can shine our sun upon the righteous and unrighteous and pour out our rains upon the just and unjust in accordance with the implemented within our heart law of God as a blessing for one and as a punishment for the other. It's written, he conceals within his arms uh, the, the clouds so that they go and be turned by his guidance as a blessing for one, as a curse for the other. In scripture, the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues or characteristics by the preached words spoken by the apostles and prophets. And this is virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Written in Second Peter 1, 2 through 8. These are the qualities of the fruit of virtue. They have these seven components. This is not something separate, that there's more of one, less of the other. It is uh, united together, and it has an amazing balance, one with the other one. In its essence, the love of God agape is a sovereign love that is unconditional specifically for the people that she has selected in her ability to foreknow and predestine according to her will. God from the creation of the world foreknew us and knowing that we seeing his and hearing his truth will not spit in the face of the truth but will follow this truth and will deny ourselves because to follow the truth you need to first deny yourself deny your nation the house of your father and your life and take up the cross and follow christ and anyone who doesn't do this uh jesus says that he cannot be my disciple one who does not take up his cross and follow me who has not left all that i have said to leave and so because of her of his sovereignty the selective love of god will never violate the sovereign rights of those people that she selects and never will allow her own sovereign rights the selective love which are her boundaries of burning holiness to be violated in a specific format of the seven characteristics of virtue that united identify the goodness of god within our heart we have already looked at five and stopped to study the sixth This is the calling to demonstrate the love of God, agape, and brotherly love. In the Holy Scriptures, the measure of power of the selective love of God, functioning within the atmosphere of brotherly love, is discovered and known exclusively by the level of the power of the hatred of God toward evil and men men who do this evil. Hebrews 1.9 You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, therefore God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Hebrews 1.9 Apostle Paul took this phrase 
from the 45th Psalm. This is something David had said. I often am amazed how the apostles, Jesus himself, would take from the Psalms of David practically the scriptures uh, of the New Testament, more than 70% is based upon the prophecies, Psalms of David. And there are people who say, well, why do you keep preaching David to us, this this uh, sinner and fornicator, <clears throat> when a person uh, forgives, when God forgives a person, he blots out his sin and that doesn't remember these sins. And we know when David sinned, God had blotted out his sins because he admitted his guilt. He said, I have sinned before the Lord. And Prophet Nathan said, you will not die because your sin has been taken from you. God is faithful to his word. And when we confess our sins and we acknowledge them, God physically blots out our sins with the blood of his son. And it no longer is in his memory that we had ever committed this sin. And we need to also keep in mind that the sin of David that he sinned was not something that came from his heart. It didn't live in his heart. It came as a stranger outwardly. And so he, for this reason, he was able to receive forgiveness. If sin comes from the heart, that's where you can't be forgiven. But when it comes from outside of you, it's not, it makes you a servant or a slave in the moment. Then you begin to shout to God and say, Lord, deliver me from my lusts and passions. I hate them because your new person does not have this nature of sin in, it, in him. He, he is suffering from that. <clears throat> we know that evil, which demonstrates itself in a person in his hatred coming from his jealousy and his pride, and also good, which demonstrates itself in a person in love, which comes from brotherly love, are programs, the carriers of which are the one or other people. A program can't do anything by itself, <clears throat> whether it be godly or demonic. Why? Because a program without a system that would be able to activate it will not be able to work. A programmable system an operating system, uh, the heart of a person needs to become this programmable system that would receive this program, either God's or uh, Satan's. Therefore, to love righteousness and hate lawlessness is only possible in its carriers, which are their programmable systems. As it is written, the Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright. This is not a tolerant love, this is death. This love produces death for the for, for certain people. And so when we have this kind of holy love in ourselves, then we are the fragrance of Christ, which is a foul or odor to death for the one and a, a fragrance for another to life. Psalm 11, 5 through 7. I will remember that or remind us that the face of a person or the countenance of God upholds the upright means that he's fascinated by the righteous. He's attracted by the righteous. He falls in love with the face of the righteous. He's inspired by the face of the righteous. He finds his rest. He's inspired and he finds his rest relevant to this as in the previous components of the virtue of God in his unique toward us goodness which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in the seven components listed above. It is necessary for us to answer four, cla four classical questions. 
First, what do the scriptures say about the origin and nature of the essence of the fruit of virtue discovering itself in the heart of man in the love of God agape coming from brotherly love, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? Second, what purpose is the love of God agape called to fulfill in demonstrating our faith coming from the atmosphere of brotherly love? What conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can demonstrate the fruit of virtue in our faith and the love of God agape coming from brotherly love? And fourth, by what signs can we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the fruit of virtue and the love of God agape coming from brotherly love? In a specific format, we already looked at the first two questions and stopped to look at the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can demonstrate the love of God agape in our faith within the atmosphere of brotherly love? First condition, giving God the legitimate ability to pour out His love into our heart is our decision to be born from the imperishable seed of the preached to us word. The second condition, giving God the legitimate ability to pour out His love, which we have been studying, because in essence, the uh, the importance uh, that it has, we either focus a little bit more time, give uh, allocate more time or less time, depending on the importance of the subject. And so the second condition, giving God, giving God the ability to pour out His love into our heart within the atmosphere of brotherly love is to demonstrate the element of salt as the fruit of holiness within our faith. We can't have a relationship with other people if we don't have salt. Salt always needs to be present. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Matthew 5.13 And this is actually mentioned in all four of the of the books of the New Testament. According to the revelations of Scripture, the presence of salt, representing the quality of holiness, is formed in man because of his total dedication to God. And so when you begin to marinate, say, pickles or any other uh, vegetable or fruit, where, wherever you're marinating, there is a process of decay, uh, the regular uh, process of decay in, in food, and salt stops this process. We are the same when we have salt in ourselves. We stop the process of decay of ourselves. We, salt uh, binds the old man, and he no longer can reveal himself. Holiness does this. And this happens because of our total dedication to God, which is first preceded by total sanctification, making him an island or making us an island that from all sides is washed by the purifying waters of the sanctification, specifically presenting our body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God for good service, clothes us into the virtue of the fruit of holiness, which makes us a salt for the earth and therefore defines the soil of our heart as good and wise. For everyone shall be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. When does the salt process happen? When you become an offering, when you are upon the altar. Salt is a good thing, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Mark 9, 49, 50. Although all of the sheep by nature are pure animals, the one that becomes holy is the one that is separated for a burnt offering upon the altar of burnt offering. So she can be salted with the salt of the, the salt of the covenant. 
we will have the salt of holiness when we will become an offering, when we legitimately will die for our nation, the house of our Father, and for our life in the flesh. Because of this, we can conclude that if our offering, which is our prayer intercession, is not offered upon the fire of the altar of burnt offering so that it can be salted with the fire of holiness, we do not have then the right to be an intercessor in the status of a priest of God. And consequently, we do not have the legitimate status then to give uh, that would give us the right to enter the presence of God. So you can pray and you may feel satisfied religiously or in your heart. They, people think they pray, they, they've approached God. No. If you don't have holiness in yourself, inside the salt, then you have not approached any God. You have just satisfied your religious ego. Holiness is the state of our heart, which demonstrates itself in the legitimate words of prayer, which are then followed by acts, drawing God's favor upon us. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12.14 The attempt to demonstrate peace out of the boundaries of holiness and not as a demonstration of holiness transforms us into the sons of resistance and destruction. Demonstrating or you can't shine your sun for good or pour out your rains for good upon the wicked who are haters of the truth and call themselves Christians. If you were a Christian, you would not resist the truth, you would love the truth, you hate the truth, you pervert the truth for the benefit of your flesh because it is more beneficial to you. You don't have to pay a price of your nation, the house of your father, and your life in the flesh. Demonstrating the fruit of holiness and prayer is confirming your origin, giving us the legitimate foundation to, to to make a new covenant with God, a covenant of eternal peace. Therefore, the quality of holiness demonstrated by us in prayer gives us the right to enter into the presence of God, which we present to God as evidence that we are holy, that we are born from Him, because a holy God cannot bear what is not holy or not righteous. You're born from God, yes. Are you holy? No. Are you righteous? No. Why? Because I'm trying to be only, or I'm striving for this. How can you not acknowledge the fact that you're righteous and holy? Oh, well, this is arrogance to say that you are righteous. How is it when I see in myself so much uh, problems and desires? I haven't rejected, I'm just striving to be holy. You'll hear these statements. But this is not according to Scripture. This is a conclusion a person has made with their mind or the mind of a brotherly council uh, that is being that is controlling the church and the pastor. Therefore, the quality of holiness demonstrated by us in prayer gives us the right to enter the presence of God, which we present to God as evidence that we are holy, because in essence, only those that are holy can demonstrate the interest of the holiness of their God by performing the work of sanctification. Holiness is born from God, born for God. We're talking about our new person, not what we feel, but what we know. Holiness, one who is born from God, born for God, coming from God belonging to God, abiding in God, the personal possession and holiness of God, redeemed by God, separated for God, dedicated to God, in the likeness of God, entering the lot of God or uh, 
in one lot with God and sharing the power of authority with God. And there are many more of them that can list we can list out of who we are to we are in Jesus Christ and what God has done for us and what we need to do to inherit all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. The word holy identifies the inner state of our heart, making our heart identical to the heart of God. Because God bears those that are in His likeness, a holy and righteous person. At the same time, the word holiness identifies the demonstration of this state of the heart, which serves as an argument of our belonging and our origination in God and from God, which gives us the right to be warriors in prayer, giving God the legitimate ability to bow down the heavens for us so that He can show us His favor. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out your arrows and destroy them. So scatter my enemies that are inside of me that have risen up against my new person, is what he's saying. uh, Shoot out your arrows and destroy them. Stretch out your hands from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of all foreigners. The hands of foreigners are the works of the flesh. These are not people. These are people living in us. These are the works of the flesh. These are our lusts and our passions. About them he prays that God save him from them, whose mouth speak lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God, on a harp of ten strings I will sing praises to you, the one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David his servant from the deadly sword. Psalm 144, 5-10 We more than once have paid attention to the fact that our prayer in the form of a new song is called to bow down the heavens for us. This is the home of God and the kingdom of God, the place from which His love is poured out. In scripture, the phrase to bow down the heavens when it comes to the relationship of God and man means incline your ear. To the, he inclines his ear to the prayer of a person, listens attentively to the prayer of a person, turns his eyes uh, for the good of man, become a stronghold or a place of refuge. He becomes a covering for man. He occupies a circle of defense around this person, makes our enemies flee, and strikes our enemies. This is what it means to uh, bow down the heavens to give God the legitimate foundation that He needs to bow down the heavens for us so that He can pour His love into our heart. It is necessary to present to God arguments of your origin, demonstrating the fruit of holiness exclusively within the atmosphere of brotherly love. As holiness is the demonstration of the fruit of righteousness, which is presented by a holy person or a person that is born from God. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life, Romans 6.22. Your fruit to holiness is you have become dead to sin and living for God. That's what it means, fruit to holiness. It has killed you for sin and sin sin for you and you for sin. I'm crucified to the world and the world for me. According to this place of scripture, we can conclude that until a person is freed from sin by casting off the old man, he cannot become a servant of God so that he can demonstrate the salt of holiness. To demonstrate the salt of holiness, it is necessary to first be holy, to be born from listening to the imperishable seed of the word of God. And so listening means not just hearing, but obeying. Uh, the imperishable seed of the word of God and so it is important to be born from listening to the imperishable seed obey your faith 
to the faith of God spoken by his messengers. Therefore, you can only be holy in your origin. It's not possible to become holy by just fasting or doing good work, prayers. You can only become by the fact of birth. You're born from God. And to comprehend the essence and difference between the definition of holy and the definition of holiness in our relationship with God, it is necessary for us to answer a series of questions. What does it make of itself and what is it? And how is the characteristic of the love of God in holiness identified in the salt of the covenant? What purpose is the holiness of the love of God called to fulfill in the relationship of God with man and man with God? What price is necessary to be paid? As it is written in the scripture, do you not know that God has given to David the throne, the kingdom, to him and his sons forever by the order of salt? And so to rule with a renewed mind over our body is possible by the salt of holiness. God makes a covenant of holiness with us, the salt. Upon this altar we are salted, God makes a covenant with us, and we receive power to rule over our emotional self and lead it as uh, under a bridle. Don't look at what you feel, but look at what you know. The faith of God is information that comes from hearing the word of God. And our faith is the soldier that obeys the captain, the commander, the perfecter of our faith, who leads the armies of God in battle. Third, what price do we need to pay to demonstrate the love of God in holiness, to collaborate with the holiness of God? And fourth question, by what signs are we to examine ourselves, that we have the presence of salt within ourselves, which indicates holiness, the holiness of the Lord in the temple of our body. Specifically, the demonstration of the quality of holiness, identifying the atmosphere of brotherly love, is called to give God the legitimate foundation he needs to pour out his love into our heart and be a legitimate field for the relationship of God and man and man with God. This means with your neighbor, a brother with a brother. In a specific format, we have already studied studied the identification of seven elements of holiness as it pertains to our relationship with God and with one another and stop now to study the purpose of holiness in our relationship with God and with one another. Second question, what purpose is the holiness of the love of God called to fulfill within our relationship with God? Studying the purpose of the holiness of God, we will simultaneously be also studying it with the purpose of the holiness of man. This is because specifically holiness is called to be the only legitimate field in our relationship with God and God with us. Therefore, the purpose of salt, which demonstrates itself in the holiness of the love of God in our relationship with God as well as in brotherly love, has multiple meanings, is multifaceted and multifunctional. Relevant to this, I will bring forth seven components Included in the purpose of holiness, I'll bring forth these seven components of holiness identifying the selective love of God, although there are many more of them. With these seven, which we will study, in these seven we will know uh, and we'll be able to determine holiness in any other area of us. Considering that we have already studied three of the components of the purpose of holiness, we will continue now to the next. A component of holiness. Fourth component within the purpose of holiness in our relationship with God and with one another is called to provide God 
with a legitimate foundation so that he can walk amongst his nation to separate us from foreign nations by the power of his holiness so that he can give us rain in its season so that our ground may yield its fruit and we can eat our bread until we are full and live upon our land safely. You shall keep my Sabbaths and and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the till you are full and dwell in your land safely. I will give grace to the land, and you shall lie down, and none will make you afraid. You, I will rid the land of evil beasts. Evil beasts are any kind of viruses. It includes all of these things, and the sword will not go through your land. You will chase your enemies, and they shall fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall ch- chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall be fall by the sword before you, for I will look on you favorably, and make you fruitful, multiply you, and confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat the old harvest and clear out the old. I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you, and you be and will be your God, and you shall be my people. Leviticus 26, 2 through 12. To achieve this goal, we need both parties, God and man, where each of the signs is called to fulfill their role, which is imp- implemented by God for himself, as well as for the person who has made a covenant of peace with God. The covenant place places responsibility upon man, and the responsibility consists in three parts. Our camp needs to be holy so that God not find any unclean thing among us and turn away from us. We need to keep the Sabbaths of the Lord so that in this way we establish our covenant of peace that we have made with God, and we need to to reverence our God's sanctuary with tithes and offerings according to the demands of His statutes. In a specific format, we already looked at the requirements of these three commandments And we will now look at the reward for fulfilling them, because not having the given reward before the eyes of our heart and not understanding the essence of its value, which we are able to receive exclusively by being instructed in faith, we will not have the proper foundation to know the demands of holiness or legitimate ability. We won't have the desire or stimulus to uh, stimulate to be able to pursue it and to uh, fulfill what is needed or required so that we can achieve or obtain that reward uh, that we want. To abide in them, in these uh, requirements of holiness, to protect them from any filth of the flesh and spirit in your own personal essence and from what is unclean and shameful amongst the people, those that have the look of godliness but have denied this godliness. Therefore, the reward which will be given to man who will give God the legitimate foundation to demonstrate His holiness inside of them and and outside of them in their fellowship with one another. There are seven. The Lord our God will walk amongst our camp to deliver us and put the enemies into our hands. Second, God will give rain to our land in its season and our land will yield its produce. Third, God will give us the opportunity and ability to eat bread until we are full and live in our land safely. Fourth, God will send his peace upon our land and will go to sleep and no one will make us afraid as he will get rid of the evil beasts from our land. The sword shall not pass through your land and our enemies will fall before us by the sword. God will look upon us and he will make us fruitful and will increase us. Sixth, God will 
be firm in his covenant with us and will place his dwelling place amongst us and his soul will not abhor us in seventh god will walk amongst us and will be our god and we will be his nation the first element of our reward consists of the fact that the lord our god will walk amongst our camp to deliver us and put our enemies into our hands as much as we already know the symbol of the camp amongst which the Lord God will walk in order to deliver us from our enemies and give them into our hands is the church of saints who is led by a person who is clothed into the Holy Spirit into a into the power of a father of God to examine such a person as to whether he is a father from God is to be done by his moral compass and by his sermon his wisdom in his sermon which contains the fullness of the elementary teaching of Christ called to destroy the stronghold of death within our mortal body and erect the stronghold of life in its place first our enemies are our desires that war in us from the side from the side of the old man and they war against the sacred person second our enemies are fleshly Christians carnal Christians which continue in their own personal righteousness in personal good work which comes from the flesh they reject righteousness which was given to them by faith God walking amongst our camp is the vigilance of God in the temple of our body over his word which comes out of his mouth coming therefore from our mouth so that it be immediately fulfilled in other words God is vigilant over his word within that we speak when we proclaim it the word that we proclaim we put into our heart uh, and he's vigilant in the temple of our body here is how apostle john wrote about this first john 1 7 but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another god walks walks in the light of his spoken word god works within the boundaries of his spoken word if we walk within the boundaries of god's word then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ. His Son cleanses us from all sin. This is where we can have brotherly love. First <clears throat> John 1 7. So if we don't have the atmosphere of brotherly love and we don't walk in the light that God walks in, then when we repent in our sins, then the blood of Jesus Christ is not able to, the legitimate ability doesn't have it to cleanse us from sin. It cleanses us only within the body of Christ within the atmosphere of brotherly love when we walk in the light that he walks in God walks in the light of his spoken word when he speaks his word he voluntarily becomes a servant of his word he places himself in dependence of that word and he's vigilant of the word within our temple within our body so that it be fulfilled in the time that he has appointed and not the time that we decide Second element of our reward is that God will give rain to our land in its season and our land will yield produce. The given reward symbolizes the promise that has grown in our heart by the revelation of the power of the Holy Spirit, which will make us living witnesses of God, stretching to the very ends of the earth until we see the Lord return for us so he can rapture us to heaven. Therefore, the disciples, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, 
until the Holy Spirit comes down upon you, you will not be able to receive power. And so baptism of the Holy Spirit is not that power that comes upon us so that we be witnesses. It's talking about the individual Holy Spirit and not the gift of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is uh, given, giving our spirit the ability to ha- speak in an angelic language with God. But if we don't utilize it as Rebecca so that we can follow uh, the Holy Spirit to Isaac and we remain in, in Mesopotamia <clears throat> as Laban, and the father of, of Rebecca, who also received <clears throat> the same gifts that Rebecca did, but they didn't go anywhere. They remained and, and, and stayed to live in their own land. It's the same thing with many holy people. <clears throat> they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they remain where they are. Baptism is separation. <clears throat> in the death of Jesus Christ, to separate you from your uh, nation, the house of your father, in your life in the flesh. And so only when we have separated ourselves, have cleansed our conscience from, with, from dead works, and have put the fullness of the teaching of Christ inside, this allows the Holy Spirit then to come with His power and make us witnesses, lights to the world. <clears throat> we, because we become a light to the world when we become a tree of life that produces fruit 12 times a year and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. To heal the nation is possible only by light. Apostle Paul called the leaves of the tree as uh, as shoes, putting on shoe, uh, uh, shoes on your feet to be a light to the world. And this is not referring to something that will take place in heaven. There's no need to heal anyone in heaven. There's no illness and no one needs to be healed. And you don't need the gifts of the Holy Spirit there or anointing or blessing because we will be in God. God will become our temple and we will be His. What is a new heaven and new earth? This is the temple of God in which we will live. I will live in them and they in me. This is the an incredible mystery and a very deep mystery. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Acts 1, 6 through 11. This means that rapture will happen quietly and not, it will be unnoticeable. This is the coming of Christ is what will be accompanied by great power and the universe will, will be shaking in the kingdom of Antichrist. But the rapture will be done very quietly. Just as he left, he will come back. But at this time, you will be—you need to be on, mount, on the mountain. This is the testimony as an argument that we will be raptured. This is our Methuselah, because upon this mountain, this happened. This is a symbol, of course, not physically go to these mountains, but symbolically you will bear your Methuselah who drives away death in your body who overcomes death uh, and in the place of this death will be then the stronghold of life that will take that place, that position here it's talking about rapture being quiet and and, and, sec- and secretly in, in, in a sense 
as you know that Jesus, he brought his disciples to the mountain and before their eyes, he began to go up into heaven and the cloud took him from their sight, the cloud of glory. This is also a symbol of the church of Christ. God lives within this cloud, so you understand the cloud is always the glory of the Lord. The church is his glory and the Lord lives within this cloud. And so this cloud took him, meaning in heaven, there is an entire cloud of witnesses that already are there that came to greet Christ, who was going up to heaven. Third element of our reward is that God will give us the opportunity and the ability to eat bread until we are full and live in our land safely. We ask the obvious question, if God sent his rain upon our land in season and it has grown its wheat, why then are we not able to eat it until we are full? When I have millions and I earn well and so forth, here's the reason. The reason why, for the most part, people are not able to eat the grown in the soil of their heart bread until they are full and live upon their own land safely consists in their incorrect motives. They have the wrong goals. When the revelation that is given for imperishable wealth is used by men to gain perishable wealth and personal public image. It's talking about heavenly bread, the word of God that abides forever. All dies, but the word of God that we receive abides forever. And when we separate with our body, the word of God abiding forever remains in our body and waits until God will speak to this word within our body that has already died and our body will be restored, re, uh, reconstructed because of that word that's in it. Here's what Ecclesiastes writes, Ecclesiastes 6, 1 through 5, There is an evil which I have seen under the sun and is common among men, a man to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor so that he lacks nothing for himself of all his desires, yet God does not give him power to eat of it. Look at many wealthy people, millionaires, and they have stomach problems and they have all kinds of issues. For them, they can't have any, uh, they can't find joy in anything, even in, the, in their yachts or money that continues to increase or food, food he can't be uh, satisfied uh, where they're having to eat everything that's either grounded up or in some way. Having all of this wealth, they can't, uh, can't use it, but a foreigner consumes it. This is vanity and it is an evil affliction. If a man begets a hundred children and lives many years and so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with goodness, or indeed he has no burial, I say that if he imagine would live even forever in this kind of unfortunate situation, I say that a stillborn child is better than he, for it comes in vanity and departs in darkness, and its name is covered with darkness, though it has not seen the sun or known anything. This has more rest than that man. Ecclesiastes 6, 1 through 5. Here's what the same author writes about a different category of men that rarely that are rarely seen under the sun. Ecclesiastes 5, 18, 19. Here's what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him, for it is his heritage. 
as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. And so why is it one can't use, utilize it, take advantage, and the other doesn't of what he has? Because one has the wrong motives, they want popularity, they want fame, and they're just decaying in these things. And the other is satisfied with the word. We're talking about spiritual food here. One uses it for their own personal benefits, the other wants to, uh, they're nourished by it, by it and grow spiritually. And because of this uh, nourishment, they live safely. Fourth element of the reward is that God will send his peace upon our land. We will go to sleep and no one will make us afraid as he will rid of all of the evil beasts from our land and the sword shall not pass through our land and our enemies will fall before us by the sword. The peace that is sent by God upon our land is a promise that belongs to to our inheritance which is contained in the covenant of peace that God has made with Abraham. And so God can send such a peace upon our earth. It is necessary to be with him in the covenant of peace that became the inheritance of Abraham by the means of the righteousness of his faith. The righteousness of the faith of Abraham consists in the fact that he believed that given to him by God promise and began to count himself dead to sin and living for God. He wasn't yet dead to sin, but he began to count himself dead to sin and living for God, proclaiming the non-existent promise of the covenant of peace with God as existent. And God then accounted this to him as righteousness. He didn't feel anything physically. He was still aging and he always needed to say, I died to sin and I live for God. He continuously needed to say, I thank you, Lord, for the inheritance you've given me, the many, many uh, children in the stars and the sand. I see my inheritance. Thank you for this. He walked the land, the promised land. It, was a, it wasn't his land, but he was saying thank you uh, for this land that you've given me, although he didn't own even an inch of it. Any beasts that God will get rid of from our land because our faith began to collaborate with the faith of God, these are corrupt desires which come from the old person which lives within us, which is the programmable system of the fallen cherubim. And when evil beasts which are corrupt and lusts are driven out from within our body, then the destructive sword of God's holiness will not have reason to strike our land. For he strikes our body only because we have the old man and the programmable system of the fallen cherubim just as in his time the sword of the angel of death in the land of Egypt struck the firstborn but only in those houses whose doors were not closed and there was no blood of the slain Passover lamb on doors applied with hyssop the enemies that fell by the sword of the angel destroyer is that category of people which are in the midst of the holy nation but do not count the blood of the covenant as holy and offend the spirit of grace. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath for 
It doesn't bring forth God's favor, brings God's wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is of the father who is the father for all of us. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom we believed whom we, he believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He wasn't thinking about this. He wasn't looking at what his body looked like. He was look, looking at the information, who God is to him, what he, God has done for him, who he is to God. He continuously looked at the information. In images, he spoke about this and confessed this. The scriptures say that he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, that God had promised, he was able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was inputted to him, but also for us it shall be inputted to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Romans 4. Jesus already resurrected. Romans 4, 13 through 18. We are justified by his resurrection and there's no difference what you feel maybe right now and how sin has bound you, has locked you up. He has resurrected. And when people say the Lord is has resurrected and, and in response the Lord truly has resurrected or has risen, uh, we need to understand the promise that is in this, that we died to sin and living for God and the second death has no power over us. The next element of the reward is that God is that God will look upon us and he will make us fruitful and will increase us. Isaiah 51, 1 and lower. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from whom you were hewn. And so he's saying, look at the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone who blessed him and increased him. For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make your wilderness like Eden. As it's showing here, Zion is in ruins. And so ruins is an aging body that is being attacked by various viruses. This is the ruins of Zion. But he said, God is saying, he, as I comforted Abraham, I will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord joy and gladness will be found in it thanksgiving and the voice of melody listen to me my people and give ear to me O my nation not to your feelings not what's happening with your body or, or around your body but the information that comes from my word 
Give ear to me, O my nation, for law will proceed from me, and I will make my justice rest as a light of the peoples. My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands will wait upon me, and on my arm they will trust. The coastlands, these are the islands. This is a symbol of a person who has within himself holiness, salt. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look on the earth beneath. Symbolically, look up your eyes to the heavens and look on the earth beneath. For the heavens will vanish away like smoke. The earth will grow old like a garment, and those who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will be will not be abolished. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, you people in whose heart is my law. Do not fear the reproach of men, nor be afraid of their insults. As he says, listen to me, you you who know righteousness, my information. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. Sixth element of the reward is that God will be firm in his covenant with him with us and will place his dwelling place amongst us and his, and our soul will not be and his soul will not abhor us the prayer of david second samuel 23 3 through 7 the god of israel said the rock of israel spoke to me he who rules over men must be just ruling in the fear of god and he shall be like the light of the morning when he when the sun rises a morning without clouds like the tender gla- grass springing out of the earth my clear shining after the after the rain although my house is not so with god yet he has made with me an everlasting covenant ordered in all things and secure for this is all my salvation and all my desire will he not make it increase but the sons of rebellion shall all be as thorns thrust away because they cannot be taken with hands but the man who touches them must be armed with iron and the shaft of a spear and they shall be utterly burned with fire in their place And so we need to look at information that is within God's covenant. The Lord spoke of me. He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of the Lord. It's talking to us that we need to rule over, rule in the fear of the Lord. And David was a king over men, but we are kings over ourselves. And those people, of course, who we also uh, are what are our desires, our emotions, and so those who rule over their emotions, they need to rule correctly. They need to rule in righteousness. He doesn't need to harm his emotions. It's enough that our emotions are already hurt from uh, and are impacted from from all our relationships, brother to brother, sister to sister, husband to wife, uh, parents to children. We inflict emotional wounds. But here, you need to rule over your emotions in such a way so that you not wound them, so that you can correctly govern them and correctly calm them down. God has the uh, balm which is in His Word, and when you begin to confess the Word that you have concealed in your heart, it will heal your emotions, your feelings. You need to speak to your feelings and say, calm down, you will be healed because the Lord is on our side. Everything will be okay. Don't be afraid. I will lead you to the promised land. When you say these things, you will see how your emotions will heal and will calm. 
Seventh element of the reward is that God will walk amongst us and will be our God and we will be his nation. Leviticus 25:38. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. And there are many places like this. And so in what way does the Lord become our God? How can we determine this? That he has led us out of the land of, Can- uh, of, of Egypt. The land of Egypt is the land of slavery where they forced us to do what we did not want to do. We were forced to build pyramids to the, for the Pharaoh to prepare this, uh, uh, all kinds of uh, constructions and make, if anybody has ever been to Egypt or seen on TV, the pyramids, Israel built these pyramids. And they were beaten when they were doing it. They were beaten. They were mocked. And they forced them to build uh, a certain numbers every day. They were There was a tally that they had to fulfill, that they had to satisfy. This old man in, in, in a person forces a person to work for him. But God has led us out of Egypt and has said that Count yourself dead to sin, living for God. Proclaim the not-existent stronghold of life as existent within yourself. This is what it means to come out of the land of Egypt. This speaks of the fact that God led us out of Egypt. And it's not what we feel, it's what we know. We all together came out of Egypt because we all received justification freely by grace and have turned the silver uh, uh, into profit and are pursuing the fruit of righteousness through confession and proclamation and God has accounted this to us as righteousness regardless of what feelings you may have what circumstance you're in what difficulty you may be experiencing upon our account in Jesus Christ and this account is in our heart there is the promise of surprising healing from all illnesses and weaknesses right now we will pray And may the Lord bless us to resist corruption within our body, sin, lusts, passions, all kinds of destruction. And God will show His mercy because only fulfilling God's statutes, confessing who we are to God, what He's done for us, God can give us a complete victory and heal us completely. May the Lord bless us.
I'm going to be praying your prayer. And I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side. He's not against you. <clears throat> he is your protector. He is your father. He is your friend. He loves you. He sees that you are in a difficult situation. He sees that you're bound by lusts and passion. But he does not condemn you for that. Because you suffer and you want to be free of it. And you have come here <clears throat> to so that he can show his mercy. He's on your side. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that your hands are without doubt or wrath. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. You see my wounded heart, which has been deeply wounded because of my lusts and because of my passions. I hate lusts and passions that war within my members. May they be cursed and destroyed. Deliver me from the slavery of them and break these shackles. Lead me into the kingdom of your Son, Jesus Christ. I receive this word. I enter into your kingdom. I call it as existent within my body. And now, may your favor be upon me, and may your illnesses and weaknesses be cursed in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. And now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. <clears throat> your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May all of these blessings of the ancient mountains, the promises of God, which he keeps for you in your heart, which you have concealed in your heart, and may the blessing of the everlasting hills, the eternal covenant God has made with you, may this be upon you and upon your children and be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. Let us hear the word of God standing. 1 Corinthians 11, 23-32 For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. 
please be seated. Thank you. We will be partaking in this great mystery and this is called, it is really what it's called, a, a mysterious uh, supper because what Jesus said on the supper was a mystery and it is necessary for us to eat and drink worthy and who is unworthy is one who does not discern the Lord's body. To discern the Lord's body is to discern is to think about what God has done for us, what He, who, who He is to us, and who we are to Him, and what do we need to do from our side so that we can inherit all that God has done for us. To discern the Lord's body is to know what the body of Christ is, how amazing our church is, and may the Lord keep us from lawlessness. So that you not say, what is this body? What is this church? What are these Christians? Such people who say such things should not take part because they are not worthy, because they will then be cursed in this sense. <clears throat> and so be careful when you eat this bread, it, it, unless we say, Lord, forgive me in the name of Jesus Christ, clean my mouth, that I not uh, speak such things anymore. To discern the Lord's body is to know your role in the, in the body of Christ, not position. In the body, there's no position. In the body, there are simply roles. And the uh, greater uh, and so there's the role of a person to serve uh, the, the other members or the brothers and sisters and so to take part in this communion is something that only those can do that ha- believe in Jesus Christ as their personal savior and have confirmed this with the baptism of water to confirm is imprinted has put this has received the seal if in some or for some reason we have not been able to uh, be baptized, then we need to uh, make the make it clear that we want to or desire to do so, and we will have one soon. And so, all children we call them children from 16 years and older who have not been baptized yet. It'd be good if you withhold yourselves, and during communion we will talk about baptism and so those who uh, have the desire to do so can prepare their hearts let us stand up and we will pray for the bread stretch out your right hand as a symbol before God and pray together with me Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ we thank you for the broken body of your son Jesus Christ in the form of this bread when it shall be passing by your people this bread and we will be taking of it and eating of it may in the name of Jesus Christ may we obtain favor and mercy before your sight and may the stronghold of death be destroyed in our body the illnesses weaknesses and untimely death and in its place may the stronghold of life be erected we thank you for this great privilege our great God Son and Holy Spirit Amen please be seated he took the bread he broke it he said take eat this is my body broken for you do this in remembrance of me.
окончание окрещения. Прошу извинения. The teaching of the baptisms. <clears throat> we need to identify the teaching of the baptisms. The teaching of the baptisms pursue one goal, and this goal is to submerge us into God the Father and the God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And to achieve this goal, we are given the teaching of baptisms, which have three different functions. The main function that the baptism of water is to fulfill, that we are submerged into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, is called to separate us from the world, and is before God a seal of righteousness, which we receive, which we received before we were baptized. The function of the baptism of water is separating us from the world. Our friends, our close friends, should not be people in the world. If we have friends in this world, then our baptism can use its power. And so all those people who are have these re, uh, close relationships, we need to examine who our friends are, of course. The main function that the baptism of water is to uh, of the Holy Spirit, where we're submerged into the death of the Lord Jesus and and are submerged into the Holy Spirit, is that in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ to separate us from the sinful life of our fathers and the Holy Spirit himself in this baptism is to be the seal and guarantee of our inheritance. You see how the Holy Spirit is interested to separate us from the genetical uh, life of our fathers. The Holy Spirit desires to do this. Jesus, in his baptism, in his baptism of water, separates us from this world that is sinful, that is condemned, and the Holy Spirit wants to separate us from the sinful life of our fathers, which has been passed on to us from our fathers. And the main function which the baptism of fire is to fulfill, into which we're submerged into the Father in the death of the Lord Jesus, is to finally separate the old man from the new and to lead us into the category of kings, priests, and prophets. And so, who is a king, priest, and prophet? It is a person who has become a stranger, the fatherless, and widow. These three, we need to have these three qualities, these three characteristics. Speaking of baptism, we need to not speak of them separately, saying, I, well, I was baptized by water. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for me. No, it includes the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire because we are submerged in the very same God, the one and same God through Jesus Christ, and we utilize the power of the Holy Spirit. So you can't just stop with the baptism of water. We have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of fire. If someone would have asked, what is the baptism of fire? This is when we need to... uh, bake our our clay pot we're made of, of of clay and we have heard the wonderful amazing promise the resurrection of Christ within our body and the lord if he just puts this promise in an unbaked uh, pot a uh, clay pot and it put, it's put in water it will all fall apart and uh, because the clay is not baked but the lord needs to put this clay pot into a fiery furnace so that it become a good for his use and good so that it could preserve salvation and the promises that God has offered to us. 
And so how interested are we in the baptism of fire? We are very interested because a person who thinks it's not a promise for him, the resurrection of Christ in our bodies, uh, it will be definitely tested with water uh, if you're not. And so thank you, Lord, for the baptism of uh, of the water, Holy Spirit, and fire where my body can be uh, acceptable to you, will pass through the test, will be passed through the furnace of fire. Uh, the fiery furnace, and so that's to keep so we can preserve his promises in us, and it will be differently in each of us. And so he said also the cup after supper, this is my cup, uh, and do this in remembrance of me, let us stand up, let us raise our right hand, and we will pray for the cup. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. We pray when this cup will be passing by your people and we will be taking of it and drinking of it, may it be as a blessing to us and may it, your mercy be shown and your graciousness may within our body all illness be cursed, all weakness and all genetic uh, curses that we, ha- we have inherited in our lives. May your life be blessed, your resurrection and your godly gen- uh, genes within our body. May your name be blessed. We thank you for this great privilege, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. That road that is approached, please stand, just as you assisted one another with the bread, assist with the cup. And as we have uh, identified the, the the definitions or the <clears throat> the purposes of them <clears throat> of these baptisms. These are to be sealed. Each baptism has the, has its own seal, <clears throat> and each of the forms of baptism have their own unique uh, seals of righteousness, which are a sign of us belonging to our God. Let us look at the first seal that we receive when we make. The baptism when we go uh, baptism of water and he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the of the righteousness of the faith which he had <clears throat> while still uncircumcised And so we also read another place of scripture where he makes you, us as a holiness of the Lord. And so when you're asked, brother and sister, are you holy? Are you righteous? Ask the question. Do you mean our belonging and what's in my spirit? Or do you mean my uh, imperfect acts? Spe- specify your question and the person will rephrase what they're saying. Now tell me in your in origin, are you righteous? Yes. Are you holy? Yes. Are your actions holy or righteous? No, not holy, not righteous. I strive to be to the uh, to behave righteously in Jesus Christ, but I received it as a freely by grace, and so the seed that I received in justification, I need to be able to grow into fruits of righteousness, and so I am holy. You are holy together, because of our origin, because of our beginning, and so we need not need we not need to stumble upon the imperfections and mistakes 
uh, of those that may be surrounding us. The time will come when we will be perfect and our actions and thoughts and words will also be fully perfect. But today, thank God our spirit is perfect, although our thoughts and our actions are not yet perfect. The second seal, uh, where it says in Second Timothy, but we have strong confidence having this seal. The Lord has known his own and may all depart from unrighteousness who proclaim the name of God. And so here's a specific price that we need to pay. The Lord wants to know his own who are his holiness and he knows them when we fulfill his commandments and the commandments say we need to depart from all iniquity. And the third seal, which is in Ezekiel 48, chapter 48, and from that day, the city Jerusalem is that the Lord will be there and so we'll have the seal. The Lord will be there. The Lord is in our heart, in our renewed mind, and in that's in our thoughts, in our words, and in my actions. But we need to get to that seal. The Lord will not be there until we first understand we are holy because we're born holy. Second, if we don't understand that, we need to know the Lord and leave all that is negative and fellowship with people that are also uh, are not godly meaning conversation that's relationships and so this is what we have the instruction that we have uh, the preached word that our pastor has passed on to us and so if, if no one has been missed let us stand up and we will proclaim our manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen